0: you are listening to Whole and Free, a podcast serving you a heaping helping of encouraging truth to free your soul and make you whole. This is Kathy Schwanke, speaker, author, and encourager of the faithful here to help you soar on the sturdy wings of truth and love. We have been talking here on the podcast about finding freedom for the past month. Today I want to shift a bit and tell you a story of one woman in scripture who was set free and how I believe she is our big sister in this journey to wholeness and freedom. As I told you previously, God knows what the weights are that you might be carrying around in your heart. You might have a good idea, but only he can cleanse the crevices of your heart with his love. The good news is he wants to do it, and the better news is he will. I remember going to the doctor when I broke my leg, and sitting in the office, he told me I would not have a job if your body did not have the ability to heal itself. And he also told me that that break would heal stronger than my actual bone, and I would likely never break it there again. I think that's true spiritually speaking as well. When the Lord heals us in these very broken places, we get a resilience that we didn't know we had. And then we are actually able to minister out of that place of wounding because we've experienced the healer. So we know how he works. Well, maybe you have residues of wounds and losses and disappointments from the things that have happened to you or maybe even to your parents and they've been passed down to you because we react out of those hurt places um, unknowingly often. And then we pick up those same uh, response mechanisms that our parents used. Things such as neglect, abuse, divorce, blame, shame, mocking, bullying, loneliness, loss, fear, etc., can mark our lives and we can live out of those places if they're unhealed. Well, there's a woman in scripture with lots of residue. I was leading an inductive study through Mark chapter 5 about 10 years ago when this story came into my heart. It actually literally <laughs> is something that, that I teach from a lot, and I love it so much. In Jesus' day, it's good to know women were considered inferior, and they were not considered worthy of education or of credibility as witnesses. So in this passage, Jesus has just come back across the lake to Capernaum, his home base. He had delivered a demoniac from a legion of demons. It's quite a story. And when he lands on shore, a man named Jairus, who's a synagogue leader, runs to Jesus, falls in the dust at his feet, and pleads for Jesus to come and heal his little girl who's 12 years old. She's dying. So he's a wealthy man with a little girl that needs healing. We pick up the story in Mark 5:24. It says Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So, this poor woman, an outcast because of her bleeding, is also impoverished. Verse 27, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you, how can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him in the dust and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, I thought about that scene and I thought about how scary it would be knowing that the Jews in that day, if they were bleeding, had to be outside the camp, literally outside of the communion of the congregation. They couldn't be among the people because if anyone touched them, they would become unclean. If anyone touched an unclean person, they would have to go through these rites of purification and wait to be declared clean again. So this woman not only is suffering the physical, but she's suffering from the inferiority of women in that day and then to add insult to injury as someone outside the camp, an outcast, named and labeled unclean. I started thinking about this scene when I was teaching through it, thinking about this woman coming and trembling at his feet and how scary it would be just to run through the crowd to start with. Um, But she had this faith that compelled her, obviously, and gave her courage to run toward Jesus. And so for her to hear him say, daughter, and I wondered about the scene, did he stoop down in the dust, hold his hands on her face and call her daughter? Or did he stand her up and in front of that crowd, restore not only her body, as he had just healed, but her dignity before this watching crowd And I think that's what he did. I'm almost 100% sure that Jesus stood her to her feet and gave her this dignity in front of the crowd that would have thought her inferior before. Do you remember what God the Father said about Jesus when he came up out of the waters of baptism? At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then Jesus went into the desert to be tempted by the devil. I really believe that God confirming his son, confirming Jesus' identity, gave him a sturdiness in the wilderness testing season. And he was proven to be a son before he came out because he did not fall into the temptation of Satan. Jesus was the firstborn son of the Father. And I learned that this is the only place in all of scripture that Jesus called a woman daughter. But aren't we all daughters of the Most High God? And the fact that he only called this woman daughter feels significant to me. Something like Jesus being the firstborn son, I think she is the firstborn daughter. And we, you and I, daughters of God, are sisters of Jesus. We are daughters of the King of Kings. It's an amazing, amazing identity. So not only is she freed from her physical suffering, she's freed from her identity issue. Think of her old labels, rejected, poor, destitute, orphan, helpless, nearly hopeless, unseen, unknown, unloved, unlovely. Now she has only royal labels, daughter, bride, heir, beloved, cherished, chosen, pleasing. Imagine that. That's what God said about Jesus. He is my son and he's pleasing. And now he calls this woman daughter, this woman who's been rejected and an outcast. Well, scripture doesn't tell us anything about her after that moment, but I wondered what if he hadn't called her to him? What if he hadn't forced her to come and confess? What might have happened if she had walked away healed bodily but not having that dignity restored? What might that one word have brought to her life, daughter? What does it bring to ours? As I was considering this idea of what if he hadn't called her up and called her daughter, that she would have gone home always feeling like an outcast even though she was free. And I, for whatever reason, I was just a really poor science student, but for whatever reason, I thought of atmospheric levels. And I wondered if he had pulled her up through an invisible barrier. And so I googled atmospheric levels and I found it was actually true. I remembered something from science. I learned that the seven mile layer of the atmosphere that we live in is called the troposphere. And this is where there are storms, tornadoes, and strong winds and chaos happens in the seven mile um, atmospheric level. And then there is an invisible layer called the tropopause. And above that is the stratosphere where there are hardly ever any storms or winds. And I think that the planes when we're flying break through this tropopause to go into the stratosphere. I think that's why we have to get to those levels when we're flying so that we can have smoother flights up above the tropopause. Well, I think Jesus establishing this woman as daughter created for her an entire new atmosphere in her life that she would not have experienced had she not had her her restoration of dignity. I believe that even though she was healed from her infirmity, she would have lived a low life fighting always to gain a place of standing. So if we live in the stratosphere, we're living by the earthly mentality of how people view us, of how we feel about ourselves. But when we believe that we are a daughter of the king of kings and lord of lords, we break through that invisible barrier. That barrier is of unbelief and pride and then we can live in what I call the faith zone the zone above where there's fewer storms so when the storms are happening around us it's kind of like we're in the eye of the storm when we're living by faith and living from that view from heaven when we're looking down with God on what's happening rather than being tossed to and fro by the waves of culture and of human opinion and of our own feelings we can live when we know that we're daughters and sons if you're a guy listening to this, we know that we can live by faith and not by sight. We can live by belief in the fact that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies and that we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. So brothers and sisters, we don't have to live a life of comparison, of jealousy, of inferiority. We can live from the knowledge and the understanding and the belief and the rock solid place that we are daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We need to receive and believe it as we hear the Lord Jesus speak it to us. When we do allow jealousy and comparison to have a place in our hearts, we actually belittle our own existence, and we are actually also accusing God of showing favoritism. We know that God has told us that he doesn't show favoritism, but when we're living under our old labels, we are actually accusing him of that. Well, the Greek word for daughter I can't pronounce, so I won't try to, (laughs) but when I looked it up, it is... It says this, it is used of a natural relationship and a spiritual relationship. Isn't that beautiful? You and I all come to Jesus bleeding shame like this woman. But when he touches us, when he restores us, when he receives us to himself, we walk away with a new name. We need to let go of the past. We need to drop the weight I don't know if it would come to mind when I mention the fact that before and after pictures of weight loss, oftentimes the after picture looks like a whole new person. And I believe it's very similar, spiritually speaking, when we walk with God and the Holy Spirit reveals the weights to us and we name them and we confess them and we believe what's true and we start walking in that newness. We are living into the new creation he has declared us to be. The old is gone, the new has come. I want you to picture the woman standing up by Jesus Mm -hmm. and him putting his robe of righteousness on her shoulders and a crown of dignity on her head and calling her daughter before all of those people who would have seen her as an outcast and a reject And then I want you to picture yourself standing next to Jesus, robed in his righteousness, wearing that crown of daughterhood. 1 Corinthians 13, 10 through 11 says, We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial passes away. So it's hard to grasp the reality of our daughterhood. We know in part now, and we have to keep growing in our understanding and in our faith and our belief in what Jesus has purchased for us. And this same passage goes on to say, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I set aside childish ways. And so that's what we're doing. We are uprooting the ways that we think and believe and act out of that are childish. They're out of our childhood. And then we come uh, gradually into the reality of our daughterhood in Christ. Part of our aim on this podcast is putting those childish ways behind us in order to walk in wholeness and freedom. Like our big sister that we read about today, we have a new name, and it is daughter. This week, then, why don't you open up Mark 5 and read about her and picture yourself in the dust at Jesus' feet, receiving not only healing for your body, but health and freedom for your soul by receiving his loving affirmation Hear him speak your name, and then hear him call you daughter, and ponder what that means for you, that you are a daughter of the King of the universe. Well, friends, the Lord loves you. Jesus died to set you free. He is with you to help you shed your old lies and labels. Do your part, and he will do his. So this week, stay close. Listen for his voice when you're reading or driving or working out. Once you hear his voice and come to trust his love, there is more and more. And I will be praying for you to gain traction in living your one beautiful life, trusting Jesus on the journey, whole and free. All right, God bless your week, and we will talk to you and meet you back here next week.